Hello, friends, and welcome to the most glorious of events, the Movie Mavericks Podcast. This outstanding program is hosted by two fine gentlemen, Jason and Trevor. Now make it so. MovieMavericks.com Hey now, everybody, welcome to a special episode of the Movie Mavericks podcast. I'm going to send you over to Jason Rugard. He's going to let you know what we're talking about today. On tonight's show, we're going to take a look back at the 1993 sequel, RoboCop 3. Yes, the third in the series that began in 1987 and ended in 1993. A six-year run, producing three films. Um, This, the PG-13 black sheep of the family right this is the bastard stepchild of, of the the series would you say as always this is the movie that everyone loves to hate mm-hmm. of the series and i uh did too initially that's what i thought it's at least i thought i hated it definitely the and one that i, I watched least it of. yeah and you know what and it is it's not it, it's easily the worst one uh, if you want to put it in those terms but i don't know after watching it i really didn't think it was that bad yeah, I mean, well, let's let's first talk about how you came to see this movie. I want to know: Did you see this first as a kid on uh, VHS? Did you see it in the theater? I was how did say, you come? Watch it on Tubi. What are you talking about? Yeah, no, no. When you, <laughs> yeah, so this screening, you saw a cleaned up version on Tubi. Streamed um, it. I saw the the only thing I can remember about this is would be the VHS. Okay, so you saw it at home video. I saw. I this, don't think I saw this in a theater. I, I saw this on a double feature at a rundown theater on its last leg during its run. It was a double feature of this and Look Who's Talking Now, the prequel oh. with the dogs. That, <laughs> that was makes awful. no sense. But yeah, okay, it, it was terrible. That um, one's hard to get. Actually, hard to find actually on disc. <laughs> well, it, it's hard to forget about how bad it was as well. <laughs> That's a shitty fucking movie. Um, and compared mm-hmm. to the two at the time. Robocop 3 was the gem of the day uh, between those two movies. Do you remember that when this movie came out, obviously this was a critical and commercial failure, did not live up to the potential of its predecessors. And I thought that mm-hmm. this movie, which is decidedly more geared towards children, was in response to how violent the second one was and how much slack that film caught from Siskel and Ebert for having a 100%. child villain. Well- I think it, more so than just that, after Batman had come out, and this movie is very Batman-like to the introduction of RoboCop. The whole t- first 20 minutes feels like it could be taking place in Gotham City. Good point. Including the bad guys, right? The, uh, um, uh, what are the hell those punk guys were called? The splatter splatterpunks. I love the splatterpunks. Excuse punks. me, yes. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, it's like something straight out of, uh, Gotham, you know, really so straight out of Batman and, and the way they use the music, they wouldn't use the Robocop music obviously until he actually showed up and then it would kick in. But the music before that was very, I don't know, Danny Elfman-esque. No, you're very right. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up the, the splatterpunks. I do want to touch on that. You know, this is like, you, I think the Batman comparison is very apt because this is the most cartoonish. And uh, I mean, just even starting from the beginning, I've always liked how the number three on the title card appears a good five seconds before the RoboCop <laughs> word appears. It's a very cheesy little touch, but it always felt comic booky to me. Um, but you bring up the splatterpunks, and that's a sequence in the film that I, I like that sequence because it's a concept that could have been explored even further in the movie, and it feels almost like a Carpenter film. 
at that moment. Like it's kind of drifted into yeah, an escape from LA. Yeah, the way it's shot is fantastic. That whole sequence is awesome. I was hoping that that would have been the concept they would have gone with, almost like an assault on Precinct Thirteenth with Robocop in the precinct. You in know? some way, yeah. But that really does open. Like the first act of this movie is like uh, they build an entire world uh, for you. It's insane how they how they all of Detroit. Detroit feels like the world in this movie. It feels huge, even though it clearly isn't. It's just taking place on streets right next to each other for as far as I can tell. And I'm glad you brought up the first act as well because I am a fan of this first act and it's strange to say that because Robocop doesn't even show up until I was just gonna 20 say, minutes into this movie. Isn't that shouldn't that has to be the fair complaint, right? Robocop doesn't even show up for 15 minutes then finally 20 minutes he's actually finally in the really in the movie. So 20 minutes. If this movie came out today, that would be the number one complaint. Yeah, I think it was probably was the complaint back then as well. And what got me into the theater to see this, and I, I, this was the complaint people had during the day, and I want to address it, address it at the front, because the TV spots and the theatrical trailer, but really the TV spots, kept showing it ended with RoboCop in flight. They didn't show anything <laughs> about yeah. the jetpack or anything that's set up in the film. They just showed him in flight dropping missiles on people, and you thought, oh, God, he's gone. You know, they've made him fly now. Robocop. The state of the art. Police officer. No loitering. In law enforcement technology. I thought your ninja was supposed to take care of Robocop for me. Robocop 3. Back to fight the system. Rated PG-13. Starts November 5th. They didn't explain it at all in the trailer or any of that kind of stuff. So people thought this had jumped the shark before they even got into the theater, from what I recall. And that was even being a kid and, and hearing the yeah, word the fly, at the Nobody school. liked the flying. Well, not only that, but the special effects for the flying stuff uh, was is not good. It's not great. I agree with you there. I mean, it, it might be a little charming now. But uh, but back, but I would even say it, it just doesn't look very good. It was lacking. It looks like the... Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, we've, we've already done this uh, exact type of special effect with um, uh, Superman, and it looked better there. But the other interesting thing for me is that th this is a movie that came out in 1993, even though the movie was supposed to come out a year earlier, whatever. But what else comes out this year? Jurassic Park. Like, so one of those movies is the future, and one of these movies is the past. It's crazy, weird. Yeah, the well, the effects here, they considerably cut down the budget as well. I mean, this is a $22 million budget reportedly, which mm -hmm. is about $50 it has million lots today. Of effects, though, to be fair. It has plenty of effects and plenty of, of blood, I guess, really, even for the PG-13 rating. And let's talk about the plot here before we jump into our critiquing of the story. And I'll just kind of give you a, a real brief rundown here of what's posted on IMDb. And that is that RoboCop saves the day once more. This time, the half-man, half-robot takes on ruthless developers who want to enact, or I'm sorry, evict, enact, evil people off of their land. That's really a really rough representation. Um, that was going to be the, my question to you here. Japanese want to do this. <laughs> Let me ask you something here. One, a lot of the critics at the mm -hmm. time said that this film, along with Rising Sun, which I think is more overtly, but had an anti-Japanese theme running through it. Did you feel that when you were watching this? So not at all. And not only that, but this movie opened fairly well and did about as well in Japan as it did 
anyplace else. It certainly did as well in Japan as it did here, which would probably actually be better for Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I didn't. I mean, think my so point either. is, it didn't turn the, anyone off. Really. No, it didn't turn me off. They had a. Um, I, I don't know. Just because someone's a bad guy doesn't make them, the, you know, right? Like this wasn't Japan doing this necessarily. It was just the bad guy was from Japan. Well, the Japanese really. uh, corporation bought the police force. You know, that's kind of a major plot point. But in it's this. our corporation that was always bad the whole time, right? Yeah, OCP I has mean, always been like a bad. Rip one. Torn's not exactly up there. Like I'm just trying to be a good guy, and these. Japanese guys are making me be evil. Like that's not what's happening, right? <laughs> well, the 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 police for or the bad kind of militia that's working for, within the police is called the rehabilitation officers, and they are clearly sure. modeled after Nazi guys. I mean, that's the leader looks like he's a, an Aryan dream. Um, but I, I wonder if you think it's a coincidence that the little girl is part Asian, and that the only group we've ever put into concentration camps within. The United States during a wartime is Japanese, you know, mm-hmm. Americans, and I wondered if I mean, that I, was kind of a. Th- I wonder if that was coincidence or put in by the filmmaker. I mean, I have no idea, um, but I would say that I, I did think that was interesting, not just for that, but because it was the Japanese actually doing it here, you know. But um, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't really make much of a difference or even much of a statement because anyone would do that to anyone, really. You know, I mean, they do this kind of stuff all the time still today, so. I don't, not to this extent, obviously, this is a cartoon, right? A cartoon showing of, of what real life is, taking things to an extreme, but uh, they do this kind of stuff already. Yeah, I thought that would just might have been an interesting touch that Fred Decker was trying to sneak in there. And this was helmed, yeah. written by Frank Miller of uh, 300 fame. Kind of, kind yeah, of. Ish. Um, he had a hand in writing part <laughs> two as well. I mean, that's a long, sorted history. With Not happy about either one of them. Is he ever happy so. about any film that he's ever been involved with? Well, Sin City. Uh, well, what was the one he actually directed after that, which is terrible? Um, oh, God, The Spirit. Uh, the Spirit, thank you. I, he, I, think, I bet he's pretty happy with that, although it's terrible. It's it's definitely his. He's got to own that one, right? Yeah, that's a mark. That's a real bet. That shows what unadulterated Frank Miller truly looks like. Not yeah, good. well, I don't know. They, have, they, they, they did take these, uh, both Robocop... Two and this actual RoboCop three, his script, and turn them into comic books that were, I don't know, not poorly received. I never read them, but I never took the time to read them either. So I mean, this, I've only seen if this. If you want to go out there and see the, or if you have any interest in reading what these could have been, uh, those do exist. This least. is a step down, though, and I don't know if it's a step down in terms of studio interference and what we got I, I always I thought of this movie oh, almost like Yoss Whedon's script for Alien Resurrection it was mishandled misguided it wasn't uh-huh. necessarily 100% put in the right hands they were going through and we know for a fact that Orion was going through bankruptcy at, at this point so they would have been pretty desperate to just have anything out there so this this thing sat on on the shelf for like a year or so and they probably rushed through it, and they, and like I said, they want to hit that PG thirteen. Right, the whole thing stinks of of corporatism, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> of a planned move to make more money. Even the November release date, uh, instead of the summer, which was more, you know, that summer you had, you said Jurassic Park, you also had Last Action Hero, Cliffhanger, um, The Firm. I mean, a lot of movies, The Fugitive, but things that this doesn't mount up well against. And how much do you think of the the kid aspect of it though is coming directly from Decker? Like, because I'm uh, absolutely when the movie starts and you're seeing the toys and stuff. I'm like, oh please, that's Fred Decker right there. Come on. Yeah, I mean, right? this is the Monster Squad touch. You know, it's he's got it. He's got it. He likes the little rascals. You know, he's into that kind of. 
Um, it's the it, child's eye view that Spielberg does very well. Fred De- Decker does well too, but here it feels shoehorned into a story. Why is this is hold on? I want to bring this up because I think this is the overall theme of the story that we're presented here. Is there's an early sequence where the young girl disarms an Ed 209 robot, right? And what does she make him do? She makes him loyal as a puppy, right? That's what he says. I am loyal sure. as a puppy. Is that not what she does to Robocop ultimately? Makes him loyal as a puppy? I mean, she like reprograms him, right? When he gets all fucked up and she has to do the software reload and, and makes him loyal to this group. And I, I just, I didn't think this was the story that necessarily needed to be told <laughs> in this third film. That's my problem with it. Cause um, I do think I mean, there's an interesting know. movie in here creeping out. I think, uh, well, the, her first half is, is way better than the last half. I'll say that they do not wrap this movie up well, but I thought the world building was really interesting. And then him, um, you know, uh, well, killing Murphy or not, he's already dead. Not really. But uh, killing, uh, you know, Lewis and stuff was interesting. This, I but hold on. Isn't that your classic but, sequel syndrome? You got to kill a main character. Someone's got to go, particularly in the third one. I mean, to some degree. I mean, I'm not saying this was groundbreaking. I just said it was interesting. But everything really after that, after he, uh, um, I, I mean, the terrible fight sequence that happens against him and the, the general guy at right after she, he, he kills her. Yeah. Um, that whole thing is just a joke, you know, it and is. then it's quickly really, done. I think the rest of the movie is not very good after that, to be honest with you, but the, the whole setup and everything, the first half, uh, half of the, of the movie I thought was, was interesting. I thought, Oh, this could actually go somewhere. And it was kind of dark and it got darker. Um, but then it just, there's a laughable it, moment it just here. Was what it was when, when they killed mm-hmm. Lewis, uh, it, there's a laughable moment and then it's followed by a nice moment. The laughable moment is mm-hmm. that the actual death scene they give her is awful. It's RoboCop shoots at OCP cop officers. <laughs> she says, if you want to go through us, you have to she you know, shoot it out. And then the guy says, I have no problem with that and fucking blows her away. It's laughable. I laughed out loud. I forgot all about it. Now that's followed uh-huh. by a nice moment though, where RoboCop takes her into the church and then lays her at the foot of the altar and they give her, you know, a, a grieving second there as a kind of goodbye to a a light character but i thought that the way that they handled her actual death was very once again quick cheap and let's get it done which this movie feels like yeah yeah you know at at certain point the first 50 minutes of it are very well done and then it kind of it falls apart it's very loose it's let's just wrap this up and get it you know let's, let's bring it home and we're glad that we got it home somehow but um, I do think the first 50 minutes or so is very good. And I also like, is it Bradford May? What's his name? The guy who always plays the slimy prick. Um, he was in um, Billy Madison as well. He's the the guy who's ahead of, of security concepts in this one. White guy with the glasses. Oh, um. What's his name? It's Bradford something. I can't think of his guy? name. Um, He's incentive a woman Bradley as well. Bradley Whitford? Bradley Whitford. Thank you. I love that guy. He always yeah. plays a prick really well. He probably is in real life or he could be nice. I don't know. He's He has a the, the tongue of a snake. You know, maybe I say it, a silver tongue. I don't know what you oh, yeah. call it, but when he speaks, he cuts you're like, ooh, you're slimy, man. Yeah. He cuts with his tongue. He's and, really good, yeah. Uh, in this movie, he takes, he basically has that Miguel Ferreira role from the first film. And I think he does really well with this movie and I, when they when he basically kills himself off screen after he's fired in a, and I thought that that's a loss to the kind movie of a too. Joke, but it was kind of funny. 
I mean, it's a satirical touch, he especially pulls out the the gun. Kind of looks at it like ah fuck, and then he walks off and kind of leaves Rip Torn and the his his number two, I guess. I don't know. They're talking, then you hear the gunshot, and the guy gets... It's, it's, it's nice. This has a hell of a cast, by the way. Holy yeah, crap. Yeah, let's talk about the cast a little bit. <laughs> okay, let's do it, because why the hell is Jeff Garland in this fucking movie? I was going to say, skinny um, <laughs> Jeff Garland. Why is Stephen yeah, relatively in this film? I know. I, it's, it's it's absolutely insane. He just wants his fucking stapler. Um, I mean, it, yeah, it's crazy. You brought up uh, CCH Pounder. She's the head uh, of the vigilante group. Uh, Shane Black mm-hmm. is in it for quite Shane a bit. Shane Black is in this for, for yeah. Um, like Rip Torn, I've been talking about. Um, yeah, I mean, the, I mean it's just, it has a stand hell of on a cast. Robert John Burke taking over for Peter Weller. I don't have a problem with it here because he's asked to do so, so little. I, w- I was just going to say that. I, I Obviously, you would wish that it would have been um, Peter Weller again, especially since they have those moments of memory and. Uh, they kind of try to do that, but they, the way they do it is more like a tease, if anything else. And they kind of, it feels like they almost shy away from actually having him do much of any acting other than just, okay, walk like a, walk like a robot, walk like you're a tank, you know? And that's basically what he does. So I, I don't think there's a problem with it. Yeah. It never really bothered me, even as a kid, that there was a changeover. I mean, I thought that a more jarring transaction was Keaton to Kilmer and Batman, because that's truly, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, Bruce Wayne moments, but in here... Very little of the Murphy stuff. It's it's pretty much all RoboCop once he enters the picture. But I did think that maybe this one missed a little aspect of some Frankenstein that they could have done with the young girl. You know, is he going to hurt her? Is he not <laughs> yeah. going to hurt her? You know, I thought that maybe was a missed opportunity oh, yeah. they could have explored this a little bit. This could have been a very interesting, it could have been a way better movie. Yeah. What are you doing? You're rewriting it now. I know. I'm trying to, I'm rewriting it how I wanted to see it as I'm watching yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. You're making it good, you know. Uh, I, I want to talk about the ninja aspect because I I did love, I love the it idea from a movie? of it, but it's right, not. It yeah. Well, are there's too many things, too many cooks in the kitchen on this fucking movie at some 100%. point? You know, I mean, it's insane because... The, the ninja guy's running around. He keeps showing up left and right. And then at the end of the movie, they have the final fight. And he, like, walks in eight times. And you're like, okay, like, I forgot about this. And then he's immediately defeated. Apparently, she I don't know what she does. She has Wi-Fi on her computer all of a sudden. <laughs> she hacks him from, from across the room and just tells him to, like, kill each other. I, it's She like, makes him loyal as a puppy. See what I'm saying with this fucking girl doing does she? things? She <laughs> makes him cut each other's head off. It's like it's almost like they're like, okay, we're here. Uh, we only have one day left of shooting. Uh, we don't know what to do. Just have the girl do oh, All right. That works. <laughs> Or it felt like this. Just, we did some. We did some testing, and they so hated the ending, so we reshot it. Yeah. And this is what we came up with. You know, I mean, possibly. I, I kind of doubt that they. I, I don't know. Maybe they did do reshoots on this. I feel. I feel like this movie probably um, didn't get a chance for a lot of that. They just said, "Well, fuck it." You know, <laughs> we don't have any money. <laughs> yeah, because like you said, it sat on the shelf for two years, and and maybe this would have been a lot fresher in '91 as opposed to the time it came out in '93, but. Uh, one of the good things that they did here was, well, first of all, the ninja, before I move on, I okay. thought this when I was watching it, once again, trying to make it better, is that in 91, they could have gotten this very cheaply, and it would have helped this movie immensely, even on the rewatchability factor is, I wish they would have cast Brandon Lee. He would have been fine for that role. Yeah. You know, and that would have given it this weird well, kind of cult have... fascination, too, after the fact, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, they should have actually given something more. There's not a lot of acting going on in this movie. You know, they should have given him 
uh, a little bit something to more do something to do and they should have made it a little more interesting if they were going to have three different uh, uh ones of him then they should have given you like a hint that there were three of them out there separately like doing stuff because they don't really hint to any of that they just kind of walk in that would have been way cooler um so yeah there's a lot of stuff they could have done that would have been they would have made this movie really awesome the, the basic ideas are pretty good but like it just was not flushed out at all i have a feeling that there's a longer cut of this that there's a lot of stuff that didn't make it, it into could the be. film that, that possibly was written, maybe not shot for budgetary reasons. They had to move pages because they were behind schedule or this, that. And the, I don't know yeah. what the production actually was like, but I, I just feel like there's a lot of explaining that could have been going on. And that you for me, I'm playing catch up a lot more than I feel like I should be in a Robocop movie where I'm trying to think, wait a minute, how did that track and how is this going on and why are they beholden to them? And who's he really, how many villains does this movie have? Five, you got three so ninjas, Mako, yeah. Rip Torn, and then the head of the rehab people. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's that's a five, and then you got the 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 main baddie there. So it's almost six different main yeah, no, villains. It's written as if it is a comic book, right? Like, like this is like that's what I'm saying. This is like a comic book movie, right? There's a lot going on here. There's a whole world happening here. There's lots of bad guys, and he has to go through um, all these uh, people. Really, uh, uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of things happening here, but. Again, like there, uh, um, if you were to take this, you know, twenty million dollars, and and in today's money that'd be fifty million dollars, and that last RoboCop they made ten years ago, they spent over a hundred million dollars on. Unbelievable! So just to give everyone an idea of like how like they they really didn't spend much of anything on this movie, and which I think is actually kind of surprising when you see because that money's up on that screen. There's quite a bit of special effects and stuff happening here, like when he punches the ninja guy the first time and it has his jaw. Yeah, I love up. it. That is insane, and I ah, that's crazy. That's a that's a moment that comes out of like the Giver or something like that, like a Screaming Mad yeah. George movie. You know, um, I, I love that moment. And there are like this to me was like the most glossy Canon Films product that could have been a you know like Masters of the Universe or something like that even where they had certain sets and certain money where you're like, well, this doesn't. And the other times you go, this feels very chintzy. This feels very low rent here. But other times when I thought yeah. like that splatterpunk sequence, I'm telling you, they missed an opportunity yeah, to where that should have gone on for much, much longer because the tone, the energy and everything set up. What's the difference is today, if this would have been if this exact script had been written and produced today and we'd seen this. All of this would have been a setup for three sequels down the road. All of these villains would have been dealt with in other movies. You know, we'd have got the ninjas now. Next time he gets the leader of the rehabilitation people. The one after that, he's going for this guy. Yeah. You know, but this, they just tried to well, shoehorn into yeah. one. No, you're right. They would have written this as a trilogy. I mean, the new Exorcist. They're making a new Exorcist movie. Oh, oh excuse me. Goodness. They're not. They're making a new Exorcist trilogy. Uh, yeah. So every everything's a damn trilogy. So... This, uh, it's good to, or I think this it helps this movie in some way because I'm so used to that kind of nonsense here now. And now you watch this movie, it's all contained. It's a it's one thing. It's got problems. It's a little bumpy, but it's a whole thing. It's all contained. Like I watched Robocop 3. That's what I watched. I didn't watch Robocop, which was one, two, and three, and all one fucking movie, right? That was just split up into three movies. No, I just, I watched Robocop 3. 
Well, you didn't have to watch <laughs> RoboCop 2 to remind yourself what happened so that you could be running <laughs> starting into RoboCop 3. You know, we were talking about Wakanda Forever, which you've seen at this point, and I haven't. And I was asking you, should I go back and rewatch the first one? Because, you know, these fucking movies nowadays are so dense and there's so much continual information that you, you have to be a scholar to, to really know what's going on most of the time. You just have to be a fan. Well, apparently I'm um, not. And by fan, I mean you have to watch every single thing and know all of it. You have to watch TV shows. I got a life. you watch all the TV shows? No, mm-hmm. I got a life. I, I got to do huh, shit. Huh, huh. Well, that's up to you. I mean, giving myself um, the two hours and 45 minutes to watch these fucking new movies is one thing. Now I got to go back and watch <laughs> yeah. two hours and 45 minutes from the previous movie in a uh-huh. season full of shit. Yeah, I know. That's a bit much. Uh, should we talk about the reception of this movie? Cause I, I want to talk before we know, do that, I want to ask you one thing. Sure. Did you appreciate that Basil Ponderous had come back and done this score? I'm sorry, Paula Daris Ponderous, um, and done this score. Do you find that it's different than the last one? I really like Robocop. 2. I mean, the first score is fantastic. This score is fantastic. I love Robocop two score. I did think that there were moments in this that are really aided because of the score. I thought, um, I mean, you're probably right about that. I thought this score was less noticeable, probably mainly because this is a slower movie. Yeah, it is. I Much guess slower. I don't know what to say about it. You know, like the score is uh, a little different on this one. And th- this movie is also very touching at times, if that even makes any sense at all. Like he's sitting around like thinking about his past. What he's going to do? Is he going to like help these people? Um so, I don't know. There's a lot of weirdness in this movie. So, but you're, you're probably right. The score did help. I mean, obviously the the um, the main theme is just fantastic. Uh, fucking awesome. Yeah, it's the march. It's a fucking um, march. But this isn't a score that I really remember. Even and I just watched this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean the second the score for the second one's a good one too. I don't want to put that down. It's Leonard mm-hmm. some Roseman or something like that. So, um, but Basil's the man, and I, I love this big brassy sound. Uh, but let's talk about the reception. Go ahead, please. Yeah, so uh, we got, uh, if we pull up Rotten Tomatoes, we have 32 reviews. Uh, these are critic reviews. Gave it 6%. Obviously, this is an older movie, so Rotten 6%. Tomatoes not tracking super well. But out of 32 reviews, 6%. The audience score, 50,000 plus ratings, is at 15%. Whoa, I thought it would which be much I higher. Think that is too low. Yeah, that is that is horrendous. Um, I'm going to say this, honestly. The IMDb, what do you think the IMDb uh star rating is here uh fuck if the other one's 15 percent, i'm gonna say 5.8 oh jesus man 4.1 oh my goodness out of about fifty-one thousand uh things so i'm surprised and i i'm interested in when these people like was there a push somewhere along the lines uh for this movie somehow where people rated it i uh, or is this just a, solely over time? And just does no one like this movie at all? Really, it's that bad? I did not think it was that bad. I don't think it's that bad either. I mean, it wasn't my favorite in the series, but it's part of the series. I don't find I, it to be. If I had to give this a, a legitimate score, I I would say like two and a half out of out of four out of four. Yeah, yeah. I'd say that's about right. Um, I'd give this. You know, a, I'd give you it know, like a C C minus. Really, I was going to say a C, C plus. plus. I was going to say plus. I yeah, was going to so give it a little better. Somewhere in there. Right in there. I mean, look, I mean, that would for be context, fine with me too. Let me put this in context, then you can do it right after me here. For context, Robocop 1 is an A+. Plus. That's one of the classics to me. Robocop 2 is an A-. minus. I love Robocop 2. Robocop 3 is a C+. Plus. 
So it's a big it's a big difference for me between mm-hmm. the first two, which I think are yeah. classics, both of them, because the second one I, I I love the second one almost as much as I love the first one. Yeah, I mean I agree with that assessment. How that's, do you that's rate what them? I would say that's why I say this is. It, it, same close okay, whatever good. same basically same as that like i think i like the second one the most but it would just be splitting uh, hairs flipping a coin here at that point yeah um but yeah I, like i said at the beginning of this podcast you know it, this is obviously the worst of the series you know if you want to put it in that perspective you can but it's just i don't see 15 percent. this would be un, this should be unwatchable and this is not unwatchable no, well, for, let me see something this for context. When you, when you type this up, what is Jonah Hex at? Because that's something that I would give Jonah Hex. That's the kind of score that that Josh Brolin, Megan Fox piece of shit, that, that movie. I, I like that movie. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's charming, too, in its way. But You're like, yeah. Uh, so it has a 20% um, uh, audience score and a 12% uh, critic score. So higher on both ends. Um, which, I, which is higher, which I don't. I don't understand. Look, I say I like Jonah Hex, but I'm not an idiot. Um, this is pro- this is, you know, I could I can understand this to some degree. Okay, last one. Um, Let me but, ask you this maybe... for, for last context. What is this? Sure. What is the score for The Crow, City of Angels? Because that's a sequel that was derived pretty yeah. pretty intensely from its core audience. So I think that would be kind of uh, similar. Same, same time period too. Yeah, roughly. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so 11% uh, for the critics reviews and 40% audience score, which is where I would think this would Robocop have landed three would normally have landed. And I think this is a, you know, relatively similar film uh, on in a lot levels. of ways. Yeah. In a lot of ways. So I'm surprised that, but, oh wait. Okay. So this is just broken. Species is a 31% audience score. Really? The first species? Nobody, no, yeah, nobody likes species. <laughs> What's happening here? Oh, now I know. I can't believe this. The Van Damme cyborg movies are thirty-one percent. You people have lost your minds. <laughs> Do you not like movies? Oh, this should be part. What's wrong with everybody? This should be part of our uh, podcast. <laughs> guessing the audience. The Highlander score. two at twenty-three percent. Oh well, well okay, that should be at three percent. <laughs> it's at twenty-three. It's a zero percent for the critics' review. Apparently they didn't understand the slow fuck against the wall, but <laughs> they missed the the boat on hey, that you one. Know, yeah. You know, sometimes you just some people get it, some people don't. You know. Oh man, but I mean, I think yeah, the, okay, I don't the, know the critical reception for Siskel and Ebert. Let, let's break real quick, and I want you guys to sure. hear um, Siskel and Ebert's take on RoboCop Three. And our next movie, which we may agree on, is RoboCop Three, which is. Two RoboCops too many as far as I'm concerned. The original RoboCop movie had an interesting idea about a cybernetic cop who walked like Godzilla and talked like an elevator, and it did about everything that could be done with that idea. By part three, the retread is beginning to wear real thin. No loitering. RoboCop once again overcomes his programming to fight the bad guys, who in this case are property developers led by Rip Torn, who want to tear down Detroit neighborhoods and put up their enormous skyscrapers. RoboCop 3 is a real boring movie, mostly because it contains all of the same elements which the first two movies did better. 
The problem, I think, is that Robocop is a character extremely short on charisma. He makes a couple of good entrances, recites a couple of snappy one-liners in his robotic monotone, and then he's run out of tricks. Yeah, I'm, certainly. I am tired of Robocop. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The first one was a very good film. Uh, the only thing that you can do with this character is have him go to the other side. Yeah. Have him really flirt with becoming a bad guy. Mm -hmm. Or have some kind of, you know, obviously get real cornball and have there be a female Robocop. He's lonely, something. They mm -hmm. didn't even try that kind of stuff. Uh, it is really just you know, the marching kind of guy. You know, you've really triggered me with your concept of a female robocop. I wish you could develop that a little more fully for me. I'll uh, try and do that for you. Okay, we're back. So that was them. Obviously not very favorable. They were big fans of the first one. Um, they hated the second one. It was on their worst of the year list. And the third one, they didn't sound too excited about. Can't blame them in terms of... Uh, critical mass this was never going to appeal to anybody but in terms of rewatchability 30 something years later now i think this holds up fairly well i, I was actually surprised yeah how well this this went by in terms of the I running time there's a lot of charm to just uh, this era of filmmaking in general and this is a movie that uh has a lot going on and will keep you at least it kept me engaged uh, and for something like like we uh, you know just to bring it up again uh, the wakanda movie is like almost three hours long and it may be half an hour of it is interesting. Yeah. That's, that's my problem now is everything's gotten so overly indulgent. And uh, while this movie feels rushed and crammed, at least it's never boring. It's slow at times. I'll say that in the middle, but it's mm -hmm. never boring. It's only 104 minutes. It's only a little over an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, so there's not a lot, you know, and I would say, you know, the first 30 minutes are pretty damn good, and, and the next 15 are, are all right. And then it's slowly downhill from there, but it's at least always interesting. Yeah, and it's a, it's worth to take another look at if you haven't seen it. Currently, it's streaming this month on Tubi, the free streaming service. So check it out on there if you haven't. Um, I had these originally on VHS. I had a three-pack. I have yeah. no idea what I did with that. I must have lost that in a move at some point or... Um, traded him in for DVDs, but got I got rid I, of him. Yeah, I don't own this at all. Uh, this series, I mean, we own um, part two on our voodoo, our shared voodoo thing, but I don't own yeah, any I other the first ones. two on disc. But this one is hard to that's not really hard to come by. You can go buy anything you damn want on the internet, but it's hard to come by in the wild, I should say. You know, you just never come across this one, kind of like Look Who's Talking Now. Yeah, which I actually I own, so don't worry about it. <laughs> I did come across that one. Oh, thank God we're saved. Uh, well, then maybe you should do what I did and watch this now since you watched RoboCop 3 and see which one, <laughs> if this shines even more because of it. Um, it's one of the rare times I saw a double feature in my life. I also saw a double feature once for uh, the, the two times I saw double features other than this were Coming to America and Die Hard, which was fucking awesome at a drive-in as a kid, and uh, mm -hmm. Back to the Future 3 in the Jetsons movie. Those are awful double features right there. Hmm. Yeah. No, that's that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Terrible. Terrible. Mm -hmm. um, any last words on Robocop 3? Do you want to say anything before we uh, sign off? Uh, no. Um, I thought it was I thought it was a good movie. And for a PG-13 rating, it's a lot darker than I remembered it being. It's less, or I guess what was kid-friendly in the, in the 80s and 90s is not what I think of as kid-friendly now, oddly enough, I guess. I don't know. 
I think that this movie gets away with its PG-13 rating because the first two movies are so excessively gory that this seems toned down in comparison to those, but this is a lot more violent or action-packed, whatever you want to say, um, than most movies that I recall of this era that are PG-13. Um, or, or it's just more violent than I remember. I mean, P- Last Action Hero is PG-13, and this seems a lot more violent than that. That seems yeah, more cartoonish, you know? Like, and, and this is a little more realistic when people die and shit. It's like, oh, God. Or when they're about to die, you know, it's like, damn. Yeah, it's... Uh, but see it for uh, the, the role for Jeff Garland, Stephen Root, CCH Pounder, <laughs> and all your favorites, Daniel Von Buren. I mean, these guys, it's a, a hell of a torn. cast in here. They're in there. Yeah, I don't know who the casting director was on this, but well done, because they must have blown all their money on casting. And uh, oh, These guys were cheap back then. <laughs> it's true. I mean, no, it's, Nobody knows who Jeff Garland is. But it's funny, we were watching this, and my girlfriend goes, is that Jeff Gar? That's the dad from the Goldbergs. I know, everyone and, did it. Especially when he speaks, it's like, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's uh, and, fucking him. <laughs> now, let me let me give you this now. The guy in that sequence, that's the sequence where the guy robs the donut shop, and Jeff Garland plays right. the, the guy behind the counter. Well, did you uh-huh. notice that the guy carrying the gun who robs the shop is the yes. guy from Pirates of the Caribbean? Of course. Yeah, yes. right? He's fantastic. Hello, Lolly. Uh, I don't know his name, but he pops up in a lot of fucking movies looking just like that. (laughs) He was also in Californication, was he not? Wasn't he the producer? Was he the creepy producer? I want to say he was in Californication um, as. Well, he's not his friend. No, he was, but somebody his friend was doing Um, business with. The music producer with the big wings. I know, because the guy's been in a lot of stuff. I think he was in Seinfeld. I mean, he's been in an absolute ton of shit. A character actor. I don't know. Yes, he is a character actor, but I I don't know. I don't remember that. I mean, but, uh, you're probably right. <laughs> great sequence, though, regardless, and uh, always fun to see who pops up in these old flicks. I had a good time rewatching this. I'm glad uh, you did, too, and we want to thank you guys for joining us on today's show. If you haven't gotten a chance, go back and look at RoboCop 3. You will not be disappointed. It's currently streaming on the Tubi streaming service. So speaking for Trevor Anderson, I'm Jason Rugard, and we are the Movie Mavericks. Oh, my. Another magnificent episode has come to an end. If you're craving more, set your destination to moviemavericks.com. Warp 9. Engage! <laughs>